The number is 416-216-5910. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to a couple excellent websites and tools you can use here in just a bit, one being the injury calculator, the other one being fightformyltd.com. As we sit here and chat, you can look at that and uh, get all you can out of that website. But first, so, uh, Savannah, we always start with the week that was. Let's start with the week that was, John. Let me start off with a question that was posted to one of our websites, um, mydisabilityquestions.com. And this one came from Dimitri in Thornhill. He wrote, my wife had her LTD claim file closed and the first appeal denied despite a family doctor's letter, uh, letter along with psychiatrist's letter confirming that she cannot perform her duties. Based on her health conditions, she can get back to work for at least a few months. What are her options? Thanks. Right. And that generated a bunch of back and forth between me and him. First of all, I answered him on my website. So anybody who wants to go uh, to that website, mydisabilityquestions.com, you'll see that the questions and answers are posted. Mm-hmm. But if you want to email me or call me privately, then we can have that discussion in private. Very, very important. And so I explained to him that, first of all, unfortunately, they did appeal. And, of course, we all know what happens with appeals. Generally speaking, they fail. They are detours. If you are cut off or denied long-term disability, don't bother with an appeal. It's your prerogative. You can go ahead and do it. But I am telling you that 99 out of 100 times, you are going to get nothing out of it except for aggravation and stress. Mm -hmm. So in any event, they appealed. And, uh, of course, they provided supporting documentation, like I say, that you should provide, right? Go to your treatment providers and provide that. Now, in this case, um, after we had that back and forth privately, I told them, look, your wife has a good case. She has a strong case. His concern was that, well, if we start a claim against the insurance company the way that you, Sivan, propose, that's going to add a lot more stress on my wife. And, of course, my response is, Well, but look where you are right now. Right now, you and your wife are dealing with the insurance company directly. You guys are the ones who are under the gun. You guys are the ones that have to suffer this power imbalance with the insurance company. If you had me involved, then I would be the one dealing with the adjuster. You don't have to talk to them. In fact, once I get involved, they're not allowed to call you or email you. Everything has to come through me. So you can eliminate that stress altogether. You have somebody fighting on your behalf who can level the playing field with the insurance company. And that's why I always tell people, if I'm telling you you have a case, it's because I am telling you that you are going to be able to resolve your claim. We can resolve the claim for you uh, for the amount of money that you should be getting in the first place, except that now you're going to have that happen to you without that stress that otherwise you would have. And frankly, if you were to try and do it by yourself... The insurance company, their adjusters, their lawyers would run circles around you because that's what they do on a daily basis as opposed to having someone like myself, like my team. That's what we do for a living as well as me having worked for insurance companies right. in the past. Very, very important. Understand that. If you don't want to hire me, no problem. Go to another lawyer. Just make sure you do your homework. Right? We talk a lot about this show about choosing the right lawyer. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who say that they do long-term disability, who say that they know what the law is and how to advocate on behalf of people who will tell you that they will answer your questions quickly, respond to voicemails and emails. But John, I'm telling you right now, people who have contacted me have just been amazed that it's not just all talk. They're amazed that they get that email back at 5.01 in the morning. Right. So in the case of Dimitri here, we are going to be helping his wife. We're still in communication. And I tell everyone out there, if you, your spouse, someone else in your family, a friend, a colleague, an acquaintance, someone is dealing with long-term disability, they're having issues, they're hitting a roadblock, they're thinking about appealing a denial or a cutoff, don't do it. It's a waste of time. will only generate stress. Contact me. At the very least, by contacting me, you're going to get information that's going to help you make a decision on how to proceed. 
No one's forcing you to sign up, but at the very least, contact me so I can give you the information you need to arm you in your dealings with the insurance company. 416-216-5910. What else happened this week? All right. So we had another uh, interesting case happen. Um, We had this lady uh, who had uh, called us from Guelph. And I'm saying Guelph uh, because we have people from Ottawa. We have people from Thunder Bay. We work across the province. And you know, John, it's important to understand. I'm going to just sidetrack for a bit. A lot of people think that this is the old days, that you have to hire a lawyer, you know, within the vicinity of where you live, you know, 10 minutes from your house or from your apartment. That's not the case. We help people across the province, whether it's an employment law, car accidents, disability. We even help people outside the province. So very important to understand that uh, distance is no longer a factor because almost everything is done electronically and by phone, right? Even faxes are rarely used nowadays in our practice. It's mostly email. So important to understand. So this lady had come to us because she was on Shrompton Disability from October 6th, uh, 6th to January 11th of this year. She suffers from an autoimmune uh, disease, a hepatitis, acute joint and muscle pain. Uh, there, she has a lot of issues, and she was notified uh, on January, January 11th of this year, that she would be cut off short-term disability. And she was essentially told, you don't have enough medical evidence. In other words, you haven't provided enough medical proof that you are sick enough to qualify for right. disability. Now, get this, John. She sees a family doctor, a liver specialist, a psychiatrist, a gastroenterologist, and she'll be seeking. Uh, she'll be seeing a rheumatologist and a hematologist soon. I mean, holy cow! She's Still seeing a ton of people. Exactly. <laughs> so, and again, why am I bringing this up? Because oftentimes people find themselves in a position where the insurance company says there is just not enough medical documentation or proof to substantiate your claim for long-term disability, or in this case, for short-term disability. Most of the time, when I hear that, most of the time it's nonsense. And why do I say nonsense? Because For people who really don't have sufficient medical documentation, they usually don't contact me. People who contact me are people who know that they have doctors uh, who have written on their behalf to the insurance company only to get rejected and for the insurance company to say, yeah, "Yeah, that's just not enough without providing any criteria or guidance as to what exactly they're looking for. So what I tell people is we can help you. I can help you. Let me communicate with the adjuster. Let me communicate with your doctors. I will present your case in such a way that the insurance company has to approve it. And if they don't, then we launch a claim against them the next day. And guess what? That's going to propel them to ask us for a settlement proposal because they'll want to settle the case. They're not going to want to fight it. 416-216-5910. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Again, check out fightformyltd.com. And we'll get into the injury calculator here after a short break and some LTD questions and some emails, of course, as we continue with the insurance and injury law show. Talk radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to a uh, a few emails throughout the hour here, so stick around for that. Send one in if you got some questions, and we'll get to your questions as well. You can always go to mydisabilityquestions.com as well, and there's a drop-down menu. Chances are Savan's answer most of them. He will answer yours uh, rather quickly. So uh, what else we got, pal? Okay, let me just mention one more case. And again, this question came through to mydisabilityquestions.com website. Mm-hmm. And this was from Mijun Kim in Mississauga. And he heard about this website through the Toronto Star where I had an article recently. And so his question is this. I was denied STD slash LTD, so short-term disability and long-term disability, to begin with. And he says, I just checked on my CRA account and I was given an ROE. I did have a lawyer representing me, but I've not heard back from her for a while. Mm-hmm. Your article on Toronto Star had made me wondering if you know what to do in my case. All right. So that was his question. So let's break it down. Number one, 
He's talking about this lawyer that he hired for his shrimp and disability and long-term disability, and he says, I haven't heard from her in a while. Right. Uh-oh, red flag, red flag bad time. sign. You don't hear from your lawyer in a while, particularly when you've tried to reach that lawyer. That is a red flag. Make sure if you're in that situation, you book an appointment to go see the lawyer and express your concern for the lack of communication. Okay, very important. If the lack of communication continues, you have to really think as to whether or not you want to stay with that lawyer. Okay, again, I don't advocate people leaving their lawyers. I wouldn't want my clients leaving me. But then again, if somebody contacts me, I respond ASAP, and all the lawyers in our firm do that. Now, he talks about the fact that he was given an ROE. Well, that indicates to me that he was let go. And, of course, why am I raising that? Because oftentimes in disability cases, people will come to us with a disability question uh, or, or a case, a situation that they're facing. But the flip side is that they're having issues with their workplace, with the company uh, that is supposedly employing them and keeping their job open until they're able to come back. And, of course, in this case, it seems like this guy got an ROE. It seems like that he was let go. So he's going to be entitled to severance. So I'm not going to encroach on, on my partner's show, uh, Lior, mm. the employment hour, except to say that, again, when you choose a lawyer to help you with your disability claim, understand that oftentimes you will face, as a consequence, issues with your employment. And that's important to understand because when you come to us, to my firm, and we have expertise in both areas, right, in disability and employment, our lawyers work together, right? The left hand knows what the right hand is doing. And that's crucial. Why is it crucial? Because oftentimes the way that one case gets settled or handled affects the other case. So the way an employment lawyer deals with the employment issues or severance may affect the way that we negotiate a resolution on the LTD side. And to maximize the amount of money that our clients keep in their pockets at the end of the day, you need that communication. Very, very, very important. So understand that if you're facing an STD or an LTD type situation, a cutoff, a denial, you're having issues with your insurance company, why come to us? Because we have that expertise not only in that, but on the employment front as well. And this gentleman, I've obviously answered his question. Uh, but uh, it's unfortunate that he's now facing, on the one hand, a lawyer that's non-responsive to him. So I don't know what's happening with his disability claim. On the other hand, he's going to have an employment issue to deal with. And that lawyer he hired may very well not know what to do with that. You have to shop somewhere else. Yeah, he may fall through the cracks. And I'm hoping that through the communications he's had with me recently that we can help him. I'm not going to advocate that he leave that other lawyer, but I want to make sure that he's fully covered, at least for the areas where he doesn't have anyone representing him. 416-216-5910 is the number. Give me some details on the injury calculator. We like to bring this up every show. That's a beautiful tool. It's been used widely. Uh, and it, what it is, it's a free online tool that we created a long time ago. Uh, And it's a database of Canadian cases from across the country uh, that deal with people who have had injuries. So imagine you're in a car accident, you have back pain, a concussion, a torn shoulder, a broken knee, and you want to know, does it make sense for me to start a claim for compensation? This assumes, of course, that someone else was at fault for the accident. And of course, they're going to have insurance that responds to the claim. So you broke your knee as a result of the accident. You had to have an operation. You want to know, does it make sense for me to proceed? What can I expect to get from a monetary standpoint for my pain and suffering? Well, what's the starting point here? Generally, you'd have to call a lawyer and speak with them, and then they'll uh, you know, tell you, oh, well, maybe this, maybe that. Well, what we've done with this calculator is uh, through a bunch of menus where you just click and choose the injury, the date of the accident, you know, things like that. It takes you literally 25, 30 seconds to do. It's anonymous. The calculator then takes the information you've inputted, and keep in mind, it's anonymous, right? You're not putting your name or phone number, uh, nothing like that. 
the calculator then goes through the database of cases that we've put in there and then shoots out a range of what you can expect to get if you started a claim for your compensation. So, for example, for a knee injury, depending on the severity of the injury, it may tell you that based on Canadian case law, you could be owed, let's say, forty to $60,000 for pain and suffering. But remember, that's just for pain and suffering, yeah. right? There's other, uh, you have other categories of, of damage. For example, what happens if you can't work? Well, then suddenly you have income losses. What happens if you need modifications to your house? You have those expenses. But the key thing is that that injury calculator, it's just a cool tool, one of a kind in Canada, and it allows you to have a starting point to figure out how much can you possibly be looking at for pain and suffering if you've been injured through no fault of your own. And it takes literally 30, 40 seconds because I've done it. You've done, done it many We've times. done a fictitious run-through, and it's you, like, this is so quick. Man. You've done it, and, and many people have done it. And, you know, I, I can tell you that for... Uh, I think for every 100 people that use it, uh, maybe 10 of them end up wanting to contact me, uh, initially at least. Many times they contact me afterwards. But at the end, when the calculator provides you with that range, there is a button there that says submit for a consultation if you want to actually have a more in-depth consultation so that I can tell you more in-depth what else can you get other than the pain and suffering. Again, fightformyltd.com if you have questions in that regard. And we mentioned it a couple of times, Savan referred to it uh, during the show already, and that is mydisabilityquestions.com. Ask what you want, drop down menu right there, and right there, the injurycalculator.ca. A wonderful tool, even if you don't need it now, do a run-through, see what it'll be worth. Again, that is just pain and suffering, but it uh, it gets the ball rolling on the monetary front uh, anyway. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll bounce right over an, e- an email. Uh, as soon as we come back from a short break, the Insurance Manager Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to one from, uh, who do we got today? Who do we got today? Who do we got today? Dennis from Kingston. Writes in, contractor's negligence. Here we go. I had uh, contractors doing work on my cottage's back deck last summer. And I didn't do a very good job because one of the wooden steps wasn't secured and I fell about five feet when I stepped on it. Brutal. Uh, I broke my right knee. There you go. The problem is that I'm 52 and I work on my feet and now I may need surgery. Are these contractors responsible for this? Would they have insurance? Oh boy, Dennis. Well, first of all, I'm sorry for the accident that uh, you've had and especially this kind of an injury. Um, having surgery on, on a broken knee, I mean, that spells out trouble for the future. Osteoarthritis, yeah, you may need a knee replacement. There's a, it's, it's a very, very serious injuries, uh, clearly. Now, you're asking, are these, con- are, are, are these con- contractors responsible for this and would they have insurance? Well, th- that's an excellent uh, couple of questions. Number one, yes, they are responsible for this. If you've hired contractors to do things around the home and as a result of something they did wrong, uh, somebody gets injured, whether it's you or a guest, yes, absolutely they are responsible. But the more, I would say, important question here is, would they have insurance? You know, John, we just finished our basement uh, having little kids and stuff, you know, you want to make sure that uh, they can play out of sight mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, so we finished uh, our, our basement uh, last year. And uh, the first question I asked, or I've been asking really every contractor that approached us uh, was, do you have insurance? With who do you have insurance? For how much do you have insurance? See, nobody asked that question. Well, but it's absolutely crucial. If they don't have insurance, keep in mind that they, if they have insurance, and something happens down the road and you can't locate them, by virtue of the fact that they had insurance and presumably you have that insurance information, you can contact the insurance company directly. You don't even need them. You have to make sure that if somebody does work on your house, on your cottage, on really anything of yours, you make sure they have insurance and that they show you the insurance 
policy or the face of the policy that states that they are insured with so-and-so company for so-and-so amount. It's crucial. If you, if you have contractors doing work on your house and a guest comes in and gets injured because of their negligence, they're not just going to make a claim against the contractors. They may make a claim against you. So, again, remember, you want to make sure your contractors have insurance. Well, Dennis, let's turn to your question. Uh, we have to obviously contact these contractors, advise them of what has happened, advise them that you suffered a very serious injury. We have to do this very quickly. Uh, you don't want to lose time here. It's a very, very serious case. And we have to tell them that they have to provide their insurance information and they have to contact their insurance company to uh, advise them of the claim. And then we have to start a process with that insurance company because that insurance company is going to ask for particulars. They're going to want your medical documents, all that kind of stuff. Very, very important that we get on this ASAP. And John, I do a lot of these kinds of claims where contractors have done work. And sometimes they're good contractors. They know what they're doing, but something happened. Maybe they hired the subcontractor. They didn't do what he or she was supposed to do. So very, very important to understand that when something like this happened, you do have recourse, but it would be as against the at-fault party. So in this case, the contractors who screwed up. And hopefully they have insurance. If they don't have insurance... You can still make a claim against them, but it's going to be obviously a lot more difficult yeah. to recover because you have no idea if they have any assets. You have no idea um, you know, how they structure their business. It's smart because everybody will ask for references, but they don't often ask for insurance. In fact, I don't know anybody who would. I've, I never have. That's right. In fact, right. Let, me give you a little, and let me give you another tip. Uh, you ask if they have insurance as well as if they are uh, under workers' comp. You want to make sure that they also have workers' comp coverage. Because you you don't want a situation where somebody hires subcontractors or employees, uh, and those guys get injured, and then they sue you. You want them to just deal, you know, with workers' comp. Wow. But, but the insurance question is absolutely paramount. If you've been injured because of a contractor that did something wrong on your house, your cottage, something else. You want to make sure they have insurance so that you have recourse. If you're out of time to appeal like an LTD disability claim, can you still start a legal claim against the insurance company? You can. You can. And that, that's a good question because I do have a lot of people who, despite what I say, continue to try and appeal those right. you know, denials and cutoffs. And, and you know, generally, you'll get a letter back from the insurance company saying, we are not approving your claim for X and Y reasons. Uh, however, you have three months to appeal. Please submit new medical documentation. And for whatever reason, the person hasn't done that. Three months have elapsed. It's now six months down the road, and they think, well, I have no recourse. No, that's not true. You have two years, two years from the time that you were cut off or denied to start a claim. Now, there are even arguments as to whether or not that clock begins ticking, the two-year clock, not as of when you were denied or cut off, but when the last appeal was denied. And, and that may be true. It depends on... on a variety of factors and different cases you look at. But the point is, if, for you know, for example, January 1st of this year, you were denied long-term disability and you had until March 31st to appeal, right. and it's now May and you're contacting me and you're concerned that you can't start a claim, no, that's not true. You have those two years from the day you were cut off, at the very least, to start a claim. It's like employment with your, you know, with your... Uh, exactly. Yeah, your you got it. Exactly. Years, right? I'm yeah. not saying you should wait for the two no, years. No, of course not. Okay? Remember, yeah. if you wait for the two years and your disability benefits are taxable, and eventually we're able to settle the case for you... Retro. It's retroactive, but that retroactive amount, if it's taxable, you're going to be hit with a tax bill. So that's why we try to move these cases forward right. as soon as possible. Some lawyers sit on these cases for years and years and years... They resolve the case for their clients, but their clients then have to pay a huge amount of taxes on these things. Why? 
You know why? Because the lawyers get a benefit, right? They get a percentage of whatever it is that the retroactive pay was. They don't care about the fact that their clients have to pay taxes. Nice. For us, no, we move these things like a missile. It's got to move through fast. And, 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 you know, frankly, the faster we move the claim through, the quicker our clients get their money. 416-216-5910, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to more of your emails in just a bit here. That is the email address, by the way. you got some time. Check out the Injury Calculator. The address for that is injurycalculator.ca as well. The Insurance Injury Law Show, it's right here, Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You can go to mydisabilityquestions.com, which is coincidental because I see you on your handheld and something just came up on your phone. Yeah, during the break, I oftentimes check my phone. I'm obsessed with it. That's why I tell people that I respond so quickly, even during the show, John. Well, this question came from uh, Derek in Brantford. Uh, It's actually a series of questions. The last one is that this insurance company, I won't name it, uh, will not return his phone calls. He's applied for long-term disability, and they won't return his phone calls. What do you do when you haven't been denied but you haven't been approved? And what I tell people is that, look, you know, insurance companies are are bureaucratic entities, but that doesn't mean that they're allowed to simply string you along for months and months and months. If you've given them your medical documents and a month, two months have passed, in my mind, that's unacceptable. You give them a a strict deadline and you tell them after that time, I'm going to contact Sivan or I'm going to contact a disability lawyer or whatever it is you want to tell them, but give them a deadline, put it in writing and then give me a call or email me. Let me then contact the insurance company, and I'll do that at no charge, okay? I will not charge you anything. Let me try and get them, because they haven't denied the claim yet. Let me see if I can get them to approve you. And if they approved you, fantastic. And if they haven't, I'll tell you what to do next, okay? You have options. But, you know, this is just interesting that as we're doing the show and even beyond the show, and I get these questions uh, submitted uh, day and night, and I try and get to them as soon as I can, as quickly as I can. It's a fantastic tool, John. I mean, it's just great that people are actually seeking out this information. And I even have people who I I had an email um, or a question posted earlier today where a person said, I'm on certain disability. Uh, My disability is of a psychological nature. He says, I've heard that psychological types of disabilities get rejected quite often. And I wouldn't say that they always get rejected, but certainly psychological type of disability are generally more difficult to prove, and insurance companies don't like them because they can't see them. It's not on an MRI. It's on an MRI. So what he's done is he's reached out to me to see if uh, we can help him um, with the application for long-term disability. And I've said, absolutely, sure, no problem. You know, no skin of, off, off of my back. Yeah. I mean, if we can help you try and maximize the ability uh, that your claim has to get approved, 100%. Just like I tell people, if you are told that your disability benefits are going to get cut off in, on some future date, right? Let's say today is January 1st and you're told uh, February 1st you're going to get cut off. Let me try and avoid that cutoff for you. I won't charge you a nickel, a dime, a cent. I will write to the insurance company and I will try to get them, I will try to dissuade them from cutting you off. And if they still cut you off, we'll be ready and we'll deal with it. But let's see if we can avoid that stressful situation for you. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email. Sonia, right in uh, North York here, says, My mother slipped on a puddle of water at a shopping center last month. She's 62 years old and was working part-time as a sales associate uh, sales associate at Walmart. She broke her hip, needed surgery. She's in rehabilitation facility now. My concern is that she will need a lot of care going forward, and it may mean that she needs help around the home. Who will pay for that? Well, John, we have a lot of hip-type claims, yeah. eh? Pretty much almost every show. And, and hip injuries, particularly for people who are older, are very, very serious. 
you know, once the hip goes, they need surgery, you know, mobility is compromised, arthritis or, or osteoarthritis, it just, it's a nightmare. Um, so, Sonia, let me address uh, your question. Who will pay for that, for the help around the home? Well, uh, clearly, if uh, Walmart was responsible here, clearly, uh, if, you know, they weren't taking care of the area, uh, there was a puddle of water on the floor, were there warning signs there? Uh, what was the maintenance schedule? We have to look into all of that. But if we can establish that Walmart was negligent in how they dealt with the area in terms of cleaning, maintaining it, uh, you know, th- that kind of stuff, uh, then they will be responsible. We're going to start a claim against them. Now, it's possible that they have hired subcontractors. Right. So then we have to figure out who those people are. And that's something that we do all the time as lawyers responsible lawyers, we contact the occupier, in this case, Walmart, and we ask them, listen, here's when the accident happened, here's what happened, please advise if there are any other parties, entities, corporations, anyone that may be responsible for this incident. And they will tell us, trust me, they will tell us. Because if there's a way for them to deflect fault on someone else and get other insurance companies involved, they will do that. Uh, And so, you know, when you're dealing with with a broken hip, you're looking at compensation, uh, on a hundred percent basis, at least at least ninety to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, at least for pain and pain suffering, suffering alone, yeah. alone. Uh, and, and you know, what if she needs help around the home? What if she has to be put into a home? It's a six-figure case. The question is, where in the six figures is it going to be? One hundred and fifty thousand dollars as a settlement, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. It depends. A lot depends on the facts of the case. So, Sonia, what I suggest is that you contact me privately after the show. Uh, And let's get together. Let's talk. Uh, I'd like to speak with your mom. And let's see if we can help her. Sonia, that number, 416-216-5910. I'll throw this at you just before we take a break here in a minute. That is, so if you're on LTD and the insurance company calls you, says, you know, we want to send you to one of our doctors, and their doctor says you are disabled still, uh, does that mean that you don't have to send them any more medical documentation? (laughs) No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, And, you know... We, we oftentimes talk about uh, doctors who work for insurance companies uh, and how they are hired guns. Yeah. But I'll tell you, and I'm saying this from the standpoint of someone who worked for insurance companies, not all doctors are, they're hired guns, right, on behalf of either the plaintiff or the defendant, assuming they're not the treating physicians. But not all of them are unethical, okay? Not all of them uh, cater to whoever pays them. Having worked on the insurance side, I can tell you that there are doctors that I used to use on behalf of the insurance company who I would use because they would call it the way it is. And I I do that right now, too, on behalf of plaintiffs. I will not send you to a hired gun because that taints the case. I will send you to someone with excellent credentials, someone who does work on both sides. But what happens if the insurance company's doctors validates your disability? Well, then the insurance company just shut themselves in the foot by sending you to that doctor, which is great. But it doesn't mean you don't still have to send them ongoing meds because maybe you're disabled now, but maybe you won't be disabled in three months from now. It might and so, a stay of execution, but it doesn't mean you're off the hook. Right? <laughs> Your words, John, yes, exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. We'll take a, a quick break. The number 416-216-5910. Email again is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You can check out the injury calculator at injurycalculator.ca as well. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910, the number to get a hold of Savannah anytime. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Leslie up on Aurelia writes in, says, My daughter's LTD uh, stopped after two years because she was told that everyone stops after two years, just the way it is. Uh, That's wrong according to what you said. 
But her friend, who's with the same insurance company, said that is what they uh, what what always happens. They do it to everybody. I, I want my daughter to make the right decision. She can't go back to work because of a neck injury she had in an accident. That's uh, and she's only twenty nine years old. What do I do? Okay, Leslie. First of all. Um, some insurance companies, and these are not my words, these are words of people that have been in the industry, in the insurance industry for many, many years, and they will tell you that some insurance companies, yes, they do for whatever reason cut people off after two years. Um, I, I'm not going to talk much about that except to say that that's completely inappropriate, it's wrong, and it flies in the face of their obligations as insurance companies who are providing the, uh, the safety net, the peace of mind. And that's the reason, by the way, why if that ever comes out, those are grounds for punitive damages above and beyond compensation. Okay. Now, uh, Leslie, the question really for your daughter is, is she disabled sufficiently so that she meets the criteria under the policy? Within the first two years, generally the test is, can you do your own occupation? It's called your own occupation test. Mm -hmm. Can you do your own work? Beyond the two-year mark, the the test expands. The test becomes, can you do any other work? But it's not just any other work, okay? It's not as simple as that. It's can you do any other work for which you are suited by training, education, or experience? Example. All right. The example that we always give is the uh, orthopedic surgeon uh, who had an injury to uh, his hand, for example. He can't operate. So within the first two years, he would qualify under the two-year own occupation test because he cannot operate. That's what he does. But beyond the two-year mark, he would not... uh, he would not meet the definition um, of the expanded test because p- potentially he can teach. Right. And if he can teach, right, and he's suited for teaching, he has the experience, has the education, uh, he has the ability, well, then he would not qualify under the test. But if someone were to tell him, listen, you, uh, orthopedic surgeon, have to, after the two-year mark, go and distribute uh, newspapers, well, no, that's not something that yeah. was contemplated. Right. So, Leslie, the question is really whether your daughter has sufficient documentation, medical documentation, to prove that she cannot do any other job for which she's suited by training, education, or experience. And I can tell you that generally I can assess that within a few minutes of reviewing the documentation and speaking with your daughter. And, and I, I highly recommend that after the show, you or her contact me put her in touch with me, won't cost you a cent for her to speak with me and for me to at the very least tell her what her legal options are. Leslie, it is 416-216-5910, or as you know, you used it before, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. So you're in a car accident, you go to a clinic, or at least the insurance company says you should go for treatments at you know XYZ place for massage and chiropractic. Should you go? Okay, so we deal with car accidents quite a lot. Um my advice is no. If the insurance company is sending you to a particular clinic, yeah. I would be very, very weary of going to that clinic for a very simple reason. Because as far as I'm concerned, I am seeing a conflict of interest here. If you insurance company want me to go to that clinic, well, why? Why do you want me to go to that clinic? What are they giving you? Why are they on the approved list? Right. And I've seen situations, I'm telling you this from experience, John, I've seen situations where someone has gone to a clinic that was recommended by the insurance company, they got treatments, six months down the road, the adjuster wrote the clinic, the treatment provider or providers, and the treatment providers provided opinions that this person is now better and don't need any more treatments, despite the fact that the family doctor disagreed. And the person themselves, you know, the, the individuals disagreed themselves. They thought, no, we need more treatments. Why, why is my chiro, why is my massage therapist saying that I'm all better when I'm not? They've been treating me every week for the yeah. last six months. Well, 
you know, think about it for a second. Insurance company sends you to this clinic. That clinic has a certain loyalty to that insurance company, right? They're getting fed, so to speak, by the insurance company. Now, again, I'm not painting every clinic that does this with the same brush. I'm not painting every practitioner out there. But if it was me, if it was someone in my family, I would tell them, no, do not go to where the insurance company says you should go. Go to where either you already have a good experience, you've been there before, go somewhere where perhaps a friend of yours has gotten good treatments, or go to your family doctor and have them recommend a good clinic. That's the safest bet. Exactly. So that's the way that I see these things. And I'm not saying that there's always a conflict with the insurance company telling you to go to a particular clinic. But as far as I'm concerned, there is at the very least the appearance of conflict, and I don't like it. And they can't force you. They no, can't say, they no, can't. You go there. They cannot force no, you, no. no. Uh, we mentioned car accidents in that one, so I'll, uh, I'll mention it again. Dan from Ajax says, my brother was in a car accident seven months ago, and he went to a clinic recommended by the tow truck driver that picked him up. I've had guys suggest that to me, by the way. <laughs> of course. And body shops. He was uh, later told by his paralegal that the clinic had a bad reputation, and he should switch to the clinic she deals with. Is that a good idea? Uh, that's a double whammy here. So yeah. first of all, the tow truck, tow truck driver is telling you to go to a particular uh, clinic. No, yeah. do not. Yeah. Because what is likely happening is that the tow, 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 tow truck driver... Kickback. <laughs> exactly. That's usually usually the case, unfortunately. Uh, it can be a, a very, very dirty profession, and mm-hmm. there are a lot of kickbacks. And that's one of the reasons why insurance companies are always up in arms about that. And they're, they're right to be up in arms. Yeah. Uh, because many clinics get a lot of these individuals who are legitimately injured. They don't even help them, but they get them uh, through illegitimate means by giving kickbacks to tow truck drivers. And again, not that I'm painting every tow truck driver uh, this, you know, with, with the same brush, but very, very important to be very weary. But get this. Dan is saying that uh, his, uh, his paralegal is telling him that the clinic has a bad reputation and that he should switch to a clinic that she deals with. Right. I'd be weary of that as well. Why is the paralegal telling him, no, you should go to the other clinic? Why is the paralegal not telling him, go to your family doctor and get a recommendation for a good clinic? When somebody comes to me and asks me, do you know of a doctor or do you know of a clinic to go to? At the very least, I will give them several options. I will never tell them you should go to X or to Y. Because there is an appearance of a conflict. I don't want them to think that I'm getting anything out of it. So very, very important to understand that you know, you have to be very careful, particularly with injury and disability claims. There's just a lot of underhanded type of conduct that happens. It's something that the organization that I'm part of, OTLA, the Ontario Trial Lawyers Association, we're trying to deal with these kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, and it's a struggle because, you know, you do have characters who try to make money uh, on the backs of injured individuals. Use your doctor, man. Go through your doctor. Go through your doctor, oh. yeah. Or, or, you know, if you don't want to go through your doctor, just get other recommendations. Do your research. There are a lot of clinics, good, good clinics, good doctors out there that will help you. 416-216-5910, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email. If you haven't checked it out, go to fightformyltd.com, and you can go to the injury calculator at the injury, or pardon me, at injurycalculator.ca as well. That's a very cool website and a very quick tool uh, to use to find out what your pain and suffering could be if and when you're in a, an accident, a car accident or otherwise. We'll take a short break here. More of the insurance and injury law show coming right up. Talk radio. AM 640-416-216-5910, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That is the uh, the email address right there. Let's get to one now. Uh, Jill from Aurora will pick her out of the pile here. Says, my friend was in a car accident last November. Uh, it was pretty bad, and her husband was the driver. He went through a red light and caused an accident. My friend was badly bruised, has a head injury. 
She still has a concussion and memory loss, and it's getting a lot of care. She's getting a lot of care. Uh, can she make a claim, uh, given that her husband was the driver of the car and he was at fault? Yes. You don't want to, but you can't. Exactly. A lot of people are very hesitant to do that, but understand that the reason why we all have insurance is because we may make a mistake that will cause someone injury. And the fact that it was your husband or your friend or someone else that you know that caused the accident doesn't mean that it's going to be so personal when you start a claim against them. I mean, they'll know. You'll talk to them about it. She's not making a claim against her husband per se. She is, but it's the insurance company that responds and, and, you know, people may say, oh, well, this is dirty. It's milking the system. It's not. It's not. The, her husband made a mistake, okay? She now has a concussion, which by definition is a brain injury. For those of you who think that I'm making this up, go and Google concussion. You will see it oh, is a brain, a brain injury. injury. Yeah. Right. Memory loss. It's a symptom of that. He, she's going to need a lot of care. Yes, his insurance company will respond to the claim, and they will treat it as a valid claim. Do you really think that the insurance company is going to pay one cent unless they think that that claim is valid? I've had cases where spouses were at fault and the claims were worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. They can be worth millions. I mean, again, understand that this is money that is owed to you because you were injured as a result of someone's negligence. And when we say someone, you can substitute that word someone, or there's two words, someone, uh, with friend or husband or wife or child or anyone else. Understand that you do have a claim here. Now, what would have happened, John, if her husband did not run a red light? Let's say he was making a left-hand turn and hit an oncoming vehicle, and so then potentially the other vehicle could have been at fault. Well, at that point, she has a claim against potentially her husband and the driver of the oncoming car. So now you have two insurance companies that we deal with. But it's not as though because uh, there was another car, suddenly her husband has absolutely no fault. No, we have to make sure that all the people, uh, all the entities that potentially have fault here are part of the claim because it's their insurance companies that we want to come to the table at the end of the day when we are negotiating a settlement. How about something a little more, uh, you know, not so cut and dry? You're in a store, an employee like bumps you with a shopping cart or you're at a hospital, the hospital staff doesn't, you know, secure the bed, you fall out, something like that. You get injured. Not typical, but what happens in those cases? Fantastic question as well because people always think, oh, we're dealing just with car accidents, disability. No, it can be anything. And I've dealt in situations where people, yeah, as as you said, they were, you know, in a hospital and and they weren't properly secured to a bed uh, or an elderly loved one and then that person fell uh, because they weren't properly secured and they, they broke something or there's a serious injury. Well, the hospital would be at fault then, right? I mean, somebody did something wrong. And, and I'm not saying that every time someone is injured, someone else is at fault. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the law allows, sorry, allows us to look at the facts and do an analysis, a legal analysis, as to whether or not under our laws the other person or entity, hospital, for example, or a store, let's say, they could be found at fault for something, either for a lack of maintenance or a lack of inspection or doing something wrong or for actually you know, doing something that causes harm. So very, very important to understand that if you've been injured, you're not automatically uh, going to get compensation, yeah. but, but there is an analysis that we can go through to figure out if, in fact, the law does allow you to get compensation. 416-216-5910 and help at the insurancelawyer.ca.
Got a couple minutes left here. Let's uh, take it over to fightformyltd.com. Give me some details. Beautiful site. We just created it uh, about a month and a half ago. Uh, and again, a free website, very simple website. It's for people who have questions about long-term disability or have been cut off or denied or know someone in that situation. If you go to fightformyltd.com, you will see that there are five facts about LTD, five yep. myths, a whole bunch of information. But on the right side of the screen, there are five questions that you answer. I get that submission, and I will tell you if you have a case or not. Sometimes I'll need some more information, but generally, very, very easy and quick way for me to figure out if you have a case and tell you if you have a case. Very, very simple. I, I, I really tell everyone that I know about this website because it's just so simple to use, uh, and it just allows you to circumvent the whole point of uh, uh, calling me or even emailing me. You can just submit those questions, and you get your answer. Because you never know if, if you do qualify, right? Like it's LTD's a big pool of mystery for most people. Well, exactly. You've been through it. And, and I'll tell you, John, most people who do qualify, who call me, a lot of them are surprised when I tell them that they have a case. And then they can decide, by the way, when I give them the information, if they want to pursue it or not, right? So the fact that you use the website doesn't mean that suddenly you're obligated to do anything, but at least right. you have that information. You are armed with the legal knowledge that it's going to carry you through this, and then you can make a decision on how to proceed. It's pretty smart because people use that, and that right away almost puts a uh, puts the kibosh in the fact that they'll wait two years and go, oh, gee, I should have done something about it when I had a chance. This is put the bug in the rear, right? Precisely. Yeah. Until uh, next time, you want to get a hold of Savan, very, very, very simple. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. He's not kidding. He will answer at 5 in the morning. I've tried. I've called him. Uh, the number is 416-216-5910, along with fightformyltd.com. The injury calculator is always there as well. Find out what your compensation could be for pain and suffering. It takes literally 30 seconds of key information, and a number pops out the bottom. You want a consultation, you can click on the bottom for that as well. That is injurycalculator.ca. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640.